Hello everyone, and welcome back to Election Day. Today, I want to begin with a thought experiment. I want you to first visualize someone like John Oliver. I intentionally chose him because I think of all the political comedians and satirists, he's the closest to actual journalism. And then I want you to visualize someone like Chris Cuomo, who's a very passionate pundit slash host on CNN, or someone who's even more blatantly opinionated, like Tucker Carlson on Fox News. Comparing John Oliver to someone like Cuomo or Carlson or, or Hannity, who would you say is less biased? I don't think you could say, or at least I couldn't confidently say, that a Cuomo or a Carlson or a Hannity is less biased than John Oliver. I would say, arguably, John Oliver distorts the truth less than some of the major pundits and hosts on major cable networks. I think he comes from a more humble perspective that I am not giving you the truth, and this is not original reporting, but rather this is me, me spewing my opinions forth. That's what's special about a comedy show like Last Week Tonight and John Oliver. It's the point isn't to give you information or the ultimate truth about the world. It's to deliver a point. It's to change the narrative and or give a new perspective. And that brings me to the main point of my episode today. I'm going to be talking about what we can learn from political comedy. And of course, because this is a political show, I'm going to be viewing it through the lens of opinionated journalism. Political satire as a form of opinionated journalism. I think the increasing relevance of this kind of media can be traced back to the failure of traditional media. In the modern age, I think neutrality has kind of lost its value. That's one of the things I mentioned in one of my previous episodes, Trump's Political Revolution. Being a, an unbiased, genuine, reliable source of news, even, is not as valued and cherished as it was and should be. And so if neutrality loses its value, you'd rather have a figure that's more engaging, that is funny, and that comes from a more humble point of view, that I'm not actually a real reporter. And I'm not going to pretend to be one. You don't actually have to take me seriously. And that's where comedy, political comedy, is gaining trust, is gaining a place in the world of media. Like, as an example, the kind of father of all, of all political comedy, Jon Stewart, was often called the most trusted man on TV since Walter Cronkite. And so by coming from this more humble point of, hey, we're not actually real news, this political satire and pseudo-opinionated journalism has gained a lot of relevance and actually trust. Like I said at the beginning, sure, they're providing an opinion, they're providing commentary, but also they won't lie to you about a story. They won't portray a story as something it's not. And you can count on them to provide a consistent, thought-through point of view. And the power of this, this form of opinionated journalism 
is that comedy can point out absurdity. That is the point of satire. That's really, really perfect for this Trump era of politics, where everything we're seeing is just so crazy. Because comedy does not have to take everything seriously. It could take a headline and make it into something to laugh at. Whereas traditional media has a this is fine bias, where, where they feel they're only legitimate if they do take everything seriously. And a lot of the things we're seeing in the news are objectively absurd, crazy. You can't put it through a serious lens. And that's one reason why in, in the recent decade, political comedy has become a very big part of the way we think about the realm of politics. Because it, it does something that other forms of media cannot. It is able to look at something crazy and say it for what it is. Just say, look, this isn't something that we can take seriously. This really is something to laugh at. This is not normal. Another reason comedy fits perfectly into modern politics is that it's about headlines, it's about hilarity, and it's about celebrity, rather than the technicalities that come with legislation and politics. And President Trump is much closer to a late-night talk show host or a stand-up comedian than any other president, really. I forgot who said this, I think it was Trevor Noah, but someone was saying that Trump is like a stand-up comedian in the sense that he just wants to get a reaction. Something like build the wall. That was just a stand-up segment that really hit it off, and he's gonna put it on loop until it stops getting a reaction. And so you cannot counter a stand-up comedian or a late-night talk show host if you come from a background in journalism. And so I think someone like a Stephen Colbert, John Oliver, Trevor Noah, these comedians have a much more thorough understanding of the way Trump deals with the world. And that's what enables them to have this much more, I guess, meaningful analysis of his behavior. And oftentimes, that meaningful diagnosis is also a joke. But jokes do have real value, and they have a point that is being delivered behind them. And I think, again, going back to my previous point, laughing at Trump and laughing at a lot of modern politics is so perfect in the sense that you are revealing how, how crazy it all is. A lot of times, laughing is the right reaction. Comedy is also able to spread politics to and reach a certain base that wouldn't otherwise tune in to major media sources. Comedy is exciting, it's engaging, it's clickbait, it only takes maybe 10 minutes to watch, maximum. So it fits with a newer generation, and it fits with people who do not have the time to sit in front of a TV all day. It reaches a totally different audience. And so the truth is, political satire, and kind of, kind of related to that mass media, is how a lot of people now get their news. Maybe you won't watch CNN, but you'll still watch YouTube or look at Instagram. It's more accessible and it's more interesting. I think traditional media just can't compete 
with the engagement that is produced by by these different by mass media or comedy. And so going back to what I said at the very start, someone like Chris Cuomo or Tucker Carlson, they have started to realize this and they have started reaching out to an audience, but in a totally different way in that Chris Cuomo goes on these long rants and monologues and Tucker Carlson spreads total misinformation, but it gets views. The difference is going on these long monologues or spreading these wild theories, somehow this comes across as, in fact, less reliable, less sensible than a comedy show. And it's almost the other way around in the sense that media is the one being degraded by a lot of today's comedy. Major media is starting to steal opinionated journalism from comedy shows, but it's missing what makes them successful, which is the ability to not take things seriously and not be taken seriously itself. Another reason comedy is a very valuable resource in politics is that it could tell us a lot about the current state of America. The TV is a better indicator than the ballot box. It's closer, so it's more accessible, and it's more dynamic. It has to respond to the audience. Comedy and pop culture on TV can really tell us a lot about what the American psyche is thinking. One seemingly uninteresting but I think very valuable example of this is when Jimmy Fallon's show went back to the studio and he sang a song called It's It's Beginning to Look a Bit Like Normal. That perfectly summarizes America's state in the coronavirus and what they're thinking, even though, in fact, everything is not back to normal. Jon Stewart's replacement at The Daily Show, Trevor Noah, as a video by Vox rightly pointed out, picking Trevor Noah, a person of color from South Africa, says a lot about American progress in race as of recently, and the increasing globalization of not only America, but the entire world. So political satire really does have a lot of value, and just to wrap up the segment, I want to talk about a really, really interesting YouTube video I saw. It was a debate between Jon Stewart and Bill O'Reilly, the Fox Fox News show host. And they really did debate on equal footing, despite one being a comedian and one being a leading journalist on one of the biggest networks in the, in the U.S. And I think that was the epitome of traditional media losing the reliability high ground against comedy. And a lot of times, Jon Stewart came across as the one who was, in fact, more insightful. And so by coming from a more humble point, by being able to laugh at things that should be laughed at, and also providing a real point of view by being opinionated rather than neutral journalism, comedy has truly earned a very unique and important space in the realm of media and in the realm of politics. And now it's not just on TV. This is stretching to digital culture. 
As I said before, obviously social media is a very powerful tool. And another one I encounter very frequently is the modern-day meme culture. Yes, the most immature form of humor, memes, do have a lot of political value because they are used to spread different political opinions. And that says a lot about how a platform that seems like the least political thing is used for a real political effect. Great examples of that are teenagers using TikTok to spread racist, homophobic, reactionary views on, on one hand, or on the other hand, using it to prank Donald Trump and fill his rally with empty seats. And so what I see in the future is where pop culture, comedy, media, politics, all of these are combined into one sphere with boundaries blurred, where celebrity, comedy, and effective leadership are almost one and the same, at least in public perception. And so this integration of comedy slash satire and opinionated journalism, this new fusion political slash comedy hybrid is a very effective lens through which to see what politics has become today and what it will look like tomorrow. And yet, and yet, despite all of what I've said today, traditional politics still holds. This doesn't mean that a network like CNN or real journalism does not have any value anymore. It does. There still is a place for real news. There still is a place for sincerity. There still is a place for someone to say, look, I am real news. I am original reporting. You can trust me as a source. This is the truth, not just my viewpoint. Because ultimately, there has to be a truth. And that it does matter that we have facts to rely upon. But the point of this episode today was to say that increasingly that distinction is going to be hard to make. And so, finally, before I finish, I want to make an assessment as to whether this is a good or a bad development, and I'm going to do that through the filter of political engagement. If anything good has come out of the Trump era, I think it's that the public have really felt the importance of politics, especially through his mismanagement of the coronavirus crisis. I think people are really seeing, wow, this is what a politician really can do to a country. And so awareness is the best antidote to these outrageous developments. And there's no reason to believe that it's going to stop after the Trump era. As, again, I said in Trump's political revolution, these are long-lasting effects. And so to have political comedy as a continuous check, as a way to reach a different audience and make everyone really aware of politics, I think that's a good thing. The fact that it's reaching a different base and that it's making people aware of different viewpoints. It's making people aware of the absurdity. I think that's a good thing. That it's pointing out when things really do go crazily wrong. But here's what I don't like about this new blurring of boundaries between mass culture and media. It's that these platforms 
can be used for insensitivity and spreading fear on, on the one hand. And on the other hand, it's also used for really superficial involvement. It's what people often complain about as wokeism. You're not following a real political viewpoint. You're following a cultural trend, a cultural movement. And so as we move forward into this new age of politics, the most important thing is that we keep a politics of four. You're actively for a cause. You're actively involved in politics. You're actually supporting something. That's what comedy cannot replace, because oftentimes it is superficial. So I went on a tangent a whole lot of times on this episode. I don't even really know what I'm talking about. But in the end, the conclusion I sort of got to is this was all a roundabout way of talking about the casualization of the future of politics. So with that, that's it for today. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the breaking apart of Trump's coalition and how that relates to the anti-Trump moderate conservative. That's the group of voters I'm going to be talking about next week. So for that, please tune in to Election Day next Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time and every Friday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Thank you very much for listening.